0: ESPN, 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present the Killer
1: Bees. Definitely a fan of the Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique.
0: Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham.
2: What up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? doing? Nice try, Spence, but it goes like this. Oh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's blank on Branham. It's Joe George, assistant that? to the. Oh, I thought Joe was going to press something. I thought Joe was coming in with highlights or something, but instead he's playing video games on his phone. Joe's you know. back to normal, everybody.
3: Joe just tapped his head a few times because he forgot to do something. Uh, blankers, do your best breaking news sounder. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Attention, attention, breaking news, breaking news. Sounds like a tornado siren. (laughs) Makes people stop and take notice. Hope people aren't getting into accidents out there. Yeah. Joe, are you going to play it or not?
0: There we go. There it is. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent news story. Stop what you're doing and listen. We've never, ever
3: started a show with breaking news. But this is the biggest news you could possibly break, Blankers. It's the news we've all been waiting for. It's the news that we had no idea that it was going to happen. We've been patiently awaiting who D'Amico Ryans was going to decide who his quarterback number one is to start the year. And last night, he announced that it's C.J. Stratton. I cannot believe it. I can't believe this news. The entire city's been waiting with bated breath on who is going to be the Houston Texans starting Mm. quarterback. And it is C.J. Stroud, a surprise to us all. I was
2: really thinking you were going to put an end to sprinkles and icing.
3: Oh, Brantley, yeah, which no. I just like. So he's going to be in the lineup because I can't say the name. He's anyway. going to play tomorrow. By I mean, the way, he's going to yeah, play tomorrow.
2: Ser- seriously, I know. Tongue in cheek, we finally got the news that we never thought was coming—that we were just so on the edge of our seats for. But okay, D'Amico, I don't. Again, you and I went back and forth on the reasons why. Regardless. Even the guys on the national telecast, I don't think anybody was fooled by it. Everybody knew from the jump it was going to be. freaking news, Blanket. Everybody that's listening to us is, is, is surprised. Well, I mean, sometimes they're surprised when the Astros game doesn't start when we tell them to either. But I'm just saying. I mean, okay. C.J. Stroud's your starting quarterback. Shocker. I can't believe it. I cannot believe that.
3: It's finally the news, though. Like this is, this is right up there with some of the biggest news stories we've ever had in the history of our city. Sports and non-sports. Harden trade. Harden Harden,
2: trade. Randy Johnson trade.
3: Hurricane Harvey. Like, this is right up there with that. As, As news that we didn't know that was coming, that is announced, and now it's here. Now we have to deal... With C.J. Stroud, I mean, I said that harshly, didn't I? They came off a little callous. They came off a little harsh. I didn't mean we're going to deal with C.J. Stroud, although we might deal with C.J. Stroud. Early. But, uh, yeah, finally the news that everybody saw coming. C.J. Stroud is going to be the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans. Here is D'Amico Ryans after the game making that news, that surprising news, finally official.
0: It's been over the course of... The entire process of OTAs, training camp, preseason games, just seeing the complete product and knowing you know, CJ's desire to continue to get better. We know we're not where we need to be as a team overall. We all have to continue to get better, and it's just having the mindset to do that, and CJ, just along with all our other guys, know that we have to get better in that regard.
3: There you go. There is D'Amico Ryan. So the truth was he saw Davis Mills play. That was the reason that he announced C.J. Stroud as his starting quarterback is because he saw Davis Mills play football. And when he saw Davis Mills played football, he said, you know what, I'm going to go with the guy that's the number two pick at the NFL draft. I am a little surprised here, Blankers. I'm surprised that D'Amico played the whole dog and pony show, which was fine. Was it a little silly? Yeah, it was a little silly. Could that be a little racist? No, it can't, but we've been accused of that. Was it a little silly that he was playing the dog and pony show? Yeah, it was a little silly he was doing it. I don't mind that he did. I think he had a bigger message as to why he was doing it, but I am surprised that he carried it out for three preseason weeks, and then after the
2: game, he's like, oh, yeah, we're starting C.J. Stroud next week.
3: I figured he was going to hold out to the yeah, last I did possible I moment. Thought he was,
2: if, you're gonna, if you go this far with the, the, the bit, and you're going to drag it out to this level, you might as well take it all the way up. Uh, you know, Thinking somewhere in Baltimore, John Harbaugh is breaking clipboards and throwing away video because he knows that now he doesn't have to study for Davis Mills. I mean, come on. It was the worst-kept secret in America as it surrounds football. But if you're going to ride the, that, that horse that far down the, the, the racetrack, you might as well get it as close to the finish line as possible before you spill the beans.
3: Yeah, it's funny. Uh, a lot of people on the Twitch say, wow, the news is here. One Twitcher said that... Uh... Vegas broke Joe. Fishing with Dana says drug test Joe. Joe it might not be a bad idea. It might not be a terrible well, to, idea. To
2: Joe's credit, I mean, and also to his defense. I mean, he was working on breaking news. He was scrambling all over because he didn't know exactly how to blast it. And th- then he got caught up.
3: Yeah, he got a little caught up. It's okay.
2: We it's, it's a Monday. If that's
3: the worst thing that he does today, we'll only fine him $500. We'll only fine him $500 if that's the worst thing that he does today. Here was C.J. Stroud after that. Electrifying preseason Houston rock and roll victory that the Houston Texans had. Then C.J. Stroud knew that he was the starter. Here he was addressing the media for the first time as QB one in the city.
2: Definitely a blessing, something that I think I worked for and definitely earned. Um, but at the same time, nothing else really changes. I'm still going to work like the way I'm working even more now. So um, blessed enough to be able to be a starter so, so young in his league which is the easiest thing to do. But I know my coaches have trust and and faith in me, so um, we'll go out there and try to do my best.
3: You remember whenever um, the Houston Texans had Deshaun Watson? And Deshaun Watson, I think it was in the regular season. Correct me if I'm wrong. Blankers, Joe George, texters, 713 I think it was week one, D'Amico Ryan's, or not D'Amico, Deshaun Watson. What, what am I talking about? Deshaun Watson, as a rookie, after he replaced Savage in the second quarter and into the second half, and he had a big moment, and Vandermeer goes, Houston, we have a quarterback. Do you all remember that? I kind of vaguely, you all remember yeah, that? I'm yeah. pretty sure it was week one. It might have been a week or two later, but I'm pretty sure it was week one. Shoot! What do we have to wait for for us to play the sound bite? Houston, we have a quarterback. Is it now? Is it done? Is it official? Houston, we have a quarterback? Or do we have to wait for some accolades? Do we have to wait for some merit for the new well, quarterback,
2: C.J. Stroud? I, I think the, the short but not so short answer is you have a quarterback because you have a starter for this year. And the expectation is you have your franchise quarterback. But until you see how he plays and if he is... Ready to and willing and able to live up to the moniker of franchise quarterback. That all remains to be seen. We kind of knew that this was the first step in a progression that leads to him being the franchise quarterback, but he's got a lot to prove. We know that it doesn't normally go well for a rookie quarterback starting right (laughs) out of the shoot. So there's a lot still on the table, but at least that first step has been taken and he is the starting quarterback for your Houston Tech. The Twitch line's
3: making me laugh. Fishing with Dana, congratulations, everyone, on the new quarterback. Poor Marine says, congrats, big fishing on your new QB. Look, I, I this is this is promising. Like, you hope that CJ Stroud works out. I'll, I'll be like, okay, I know that I had tongue firmly planted in cheek for the last eight minutes. I'll be serious for a second. It's what I do, super serious all the time. I've liked what I've seen from CJ Stroud. I, I, week two, From week one was really nice. C.J. Stroud only played two series yesterday. The first series, whatever, like three and out, didn't look good. That second series was precise. Mm -hmm. That second series really precise. He made two really good throws. Nice slant on the first one, and then of course the Nico kind of led him into space. He looked really good. I mean, the running game is what led that drive, but Stroud made the throws that you had to make. I'm excited about C.J. Stroud. I know we're going to be silly with it. I know we're going to have some fun with it. We're going to be you know not so serious about it all the time. But I'm really excited about C.J. Stroud, and I've liked the
2: growth and. A very small sample size from game one to game two and now to game three. Well, you know what else I like, Jeremy, is the fact that he still made mistakes because it's the preseason. You know that there's still room to grow. You know that there are things that he's going to have to learn. There are things that you know, are going to be growing pains. They're going to be tough to take sometimes. But you realize that this is just scratching the surface of what this kid can be when you see the talent that he possesses. There was the one, the one play where he literally could have walked for a first down. And at the last minute, he just decided uh, he got a little bit of panicky, and he and he just he decided to throw it. Instead. I was okay with that in a preseason game, but, but you know
3: what I mean. Like I like, get what you're saying, but you like know game, what I'm saying. Game too, on is the line yeah. in that spot. I'm with you.
2: Preseason drive one when you already announced the starter throw it (laughs) even if the game's not on the line in the regular season if it's a third down you got a chance you know you can move the chains and live to see another series yep you do that you're totally right in the preseason you make great point if you're gonna run the risk of taking a shot or a cheap shot or a guy trying to make the team wants to light you up totally get it but he had a whole lot of space but that's the kind of thing i'm saying he'll learn that it'll get better for him but the thing that a lot of it you can't teach and see davis mills for this because i used to harp on this all the time with him the way he has touch with the ball, the way he can put it in tight windows, the way he is precise with the fact that whether he set his feet or he's running and on the move, he puts the football where it needs to be, and sometimes those are tight windows, or he leads the receiver in. And that's stuff that Davis Mills still hasn't learned. That's why you look at that and go he does have all the tools right there to start progressing to be your franchise quarterback.
3: Yeah, I've, I've liked the flashes that I've seen, I've seen from Stroud, and I'm really excited to see him over a full course of a game because everything's been choppy in the preseason as it usually is. Like, C.J. Stroud has had eight possessions this entire preseason, stretched out over three games. I'm ready for C.J. Stroud to have a 10-possession week one against Baltimore to see what that looks like. Now, the numbers for C.J. Stroud, while we've seen some promise, he's light years ahead of Davis Mills, the ball placements, his strength. like he was choppy week Week one, week two, week three, I thought he was pretty good. His very small sample size. But here are the numbers for C.J. Stroud in his first ever preseason blinkers. 11 for 20, 55%. Ho-hum. 89 yards on those 20 passes. Ho-hum. One passing touchdown, one interception, 63 average passer rating. Now, no one cares about preseason numbers. But if C.J. Stroud, is that his, if that's his stat line in week one, we're going to think that's yeah. pretty gross. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> that's pretty gross. Here are C.J. Stroud's eight possessions in the preseason. These are in order from the very first game to the touchdown last night. Six plays, no yards. Five plays, 28 yards. Oh on, let me go back a second. Six plays, no yards, in an interception. Five plays, 28 yards punt. Four plays, one yard. Would have been a field goal. They went for it. Eleven plays, 61 yards, field goal. That was the best drive up until yesterday. Three plays, four yards. Three plays, five yards. Three plays, three yards. Three straight three and outs until C.J. Stroud's final preseason possession was that rock and rollin' six-play, 43-yard drive that ended up in a touchdown.
2: All is well that ends well, All Jeremy. Well. Because <laughs> everything else was start, not so well. It's how you finish. And he finished it in a way in that people can be encouraged, they can be excited, and they can look forward to him moving into the regular season. So for that, I'll say it was a success. I mean, I don't think, again, I go back to the little things. Yeah, you didn't get as many scoring drives as you wanted. He didn't do the kind of things that I'm sure he wanted to do. The interception in week one lit up the entire football world with negativity. But when you look at what he did at the end of it, and like I said, the touch plays, the ability to put the ball, even on balls that should have been caught and were dropped and go down as incompletions, he did his job to put the ball where it needed to be and get a receiver to where they could make a play. And that's the kind of stuff that you can build on and say, this is why this kid has the moxie and the tools to be your long-term answer at quarterback. So you're excited for that. Absolutely. He
3: showed flashes. Number two pick. He's got incredible potential. He's got incredible promise. On the other side, though, if, look, eight possessions is two, three possessions fewer than what you're going to get in a real game, a real NFL game. Average about 10, 11 possessions a game. C.J. Stroud has had eight preseason possessions. If Stroud goes 11 for 20 for 89 okay. yards in week one, and then this entire preseason is the equivalent to one game where he scores 13 points and a bunch of three and outs, we're going to be saying a little bit different things come the Monday after week one of the NFL. You,
2: you didn't draft Trent Dilfer as high as you did. No, it's I mean, week. It's year one. And as a rookie, is,
3: we've been telling you as a rookie, you have to, you have to go through growing pains. Sure. So but those should be okay.
2: Our game manager, maybe light. Because not even a game manager would have that little to show for it. But, yeah, you didn't sign up for that, and I don't think he's going to give you that, but at least he gave you signs to be to build on and be excited about. Who did the greats uh, trolling
3: me? He says, how is Levis looking? Can't tell. He's been hurt. I have no idea. Uh, 713-780-ESP and the HRNP listener line. 713-780-3776. We're on Twitch. twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Man Joel on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Brand. A little bit later, our mailbag Monday, you can ask us whatever you want. Like, how is Will Levis looking? Uh, also, later on in the, uh, the program. Blankers are going to tell you how the Houston Texans offense has to operate with their personnel that they have. But coming up next, the good the bad, the ugly from the Houston Astros series victory at Detroit over the weekend. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.
2: Well, we just got to talking about football. You know what that means. Football season is here, folks. It is winning season. College football week zero in the books. We are ready for week one of the regular season coming up for your NFL team. And you know that there is a brand new cash payout system with MyBookie.ag that can give you options to bet and win all season long. And that means you get a chance to cash in on following football and knowing a thing or two about teams in college and pros. First two legs of your parlay hit, cash out early. Use the funds on another bet or let it ride for the chance at a bigger payday. Use early cash outs as a tool to stay in control of the action at MyBookie. To get started, go to MyBookie.ag now. Register your account for free. When you're ready to make your first deposit, use the promo code BET975 and grab a welcome bonus on the house. That's promo code BET975 to claim a deposit bonus and for a limited time, a free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino. That's right. There's a casino. So in between games and when you're still trying to get your gambling fix, but there are no games that you're really interested or you caught in time to bet on, you just go to the casino. There are live dealers. You can have a good time gambling on just like you were in the casino, right there online with live dealers. Otherwise, stay tuned to all the sports action. You know they got soccer. You know they got baseball. They got all the football action as well, and you can bet on the spreads. You can bet on a ton of things, and you do it all at mybookie.ag. Catch that bonus right now. Go to mybookie.ag and use that promo code, BET975. As I always tell you, bet anything, anytime, anywhere. with The only place I tell you to do it, mybookie.ag. Broadcasting live from the Veritex Community
0: Bank studios deep inside the secret bee cave. It's Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham.
3: Uh, Texans, uh, we're going to start to see some cuts here over the next couple of days. Cut days tomorrow. So you're going to hear all the uh, cliches. Oh, the cut day is the worst part of the job. I hate cut day. You lose relationships with these players. Uh, Texans cut Christian Kirksing. Everybody thought that was the breaking news. Uh, Texans say $5.2 million, if my math correct, and it never is. Now, I don't know how they're going to spend that money. There is a little bit of rollover into the next year, things like that, if you really want to get super complicated. But uh, Texans cut Christian Kirksey. Somewhere, James Palmer is beside himself. James Palmer once called Christian Kirksey a star in the NFL. Blankers has mocked it ever since. And Blankers was saying that Kirksey was going to be a preseason cut. And Blankers was right. Yeah, was I just, I, I
2: just, I've just, I seen him play. He was in Green Bay a couple of years ago. I was surprised. That's why it really kind of caught my ear and attention when James Palmer called him a star. I was like, where? In, in like seven-on-seven, seven, somewhere life. in a rec league or like somewhere that I was missing, maybe in the USFL? But I, I was surprised. And then when you saw some of the young talent that they have at linebacker now, some of the guys they're developing, and the fact that with D'Amico at the helm... I just didn't see a roster that made sense for him to still be around, especially with his price tag. So, you know, they move on from from Christian Kirksey. Maybe there's a team that needs a backup linebacker that he's going to find another year. I think he'll find a job.
3: Yeah. He's decent enough to find a job. I think he's a backup in the NFL. And he's he's been a a Mike linebacker, so he has
2: a pretty good grasp and concept of, of how the defenses work. And, and so I think he's got some value to another team as probably a backup. Yeah. But I just think because you've been able to kind of take this roster to the next level in terms of young talent, I, I just didn't think it was a fit anymore. He'll here. be a Titan in a week. Now, he did have probably 124
3: right. tackles last year, which tackles are never a great barometer of how good a player is. But that's not bad. He'll, he'll be picked up by somebody on tackles alone. And, and he put together a decent year next year. Now, we, you, know, you asked the question, too, like, do the Texans have the depth there? And not not really, but they like Henry Toowo-Towo enough to give yeah. him some reps. They like Cashman enough to give him some reps. They probably want to keep Grant Wallow on this team. So, yeah, Christian Kirksey is a casualty for the 53-man roster tomorrow. We'll hear more and more cuts, although I think that for the Texans, it's kind of – I don't think there's really going to be any
2: surprises. You're going to see across the league when the team feels like they, they, they want to stay a little bit loyal and they, they appreciate a veteran. They're going to cut the veterans early on and hope they can find a home. And there's probably some tough decisions to make with some position groups with younger players that they're probably going to hold out, maybe see if they can finagle the roster, make a move here or there, because they know if they put them, try to bury them and, and hide them on the practice squad, that's where you can flat out lose them just as easily as cutting them. So I think that you'll see some veterans hit the wire early. But other than that, I think that a lot of teams are going to try and hang on to the younger players for a little bit. Seven one three seven eight zero espn
3: All right, let's get to the
2: good, the bad, and the ugly from the Houston Astros
3: series in Motown against the Detroit Tigers. Let's start off with some good, because uh, the Killer Bees are always positive, especially on a Monday. We're always positive about things. We always put a positive spin on things. Always, always. It's our nature. It's what we do. So let's start off with some good, Blankers. What you have for the good for the Houston Astros series victory against Detroit? Well,
2: I mean, the offense in general, Saturday and Sunday. But if we're going to get specific about guys in the offense, I mean, Alex Bregman is having another one of those resurrections. Alex Bregman is hitting the baseball. He's getting extra base hits. He's getting multi-hit games. He's doing a lot of the things that we expect to happen consistently that we know if there's one thing he hasn't done is been able to do that consistently. But in the meantime, he does get to these streaks where he gives you hope and he gives you a glimmer that, hey, before playoff season gets here, he can be a guy that gets back to his old form and really helps you. And right now, that is one, this is one of those times where he is doing some things where you kind of tip your cap and you just cross your fingers and you hope if he can keep doing this, that's a really good sign for the rest of this offense as they go forward. Who did you say? Sorry,
3: my bad. Breggy. Oh, Bregman's been really good. Yeah.
2: Bregman. There's been a couple of bright spots,
3: so that's why I didn't hear the first part of that and just caught the so, you know going on about the how good they've been lately. Because there's been two. I think Bregman's been really good. Jeremy Payton has been really good lately. Yesterday
2: with a five hit game. Who saw that coming? Out of nowhere. Well, and here's Bregman. Forty one games and 187 played appearances since the All Star Break. His splits are three oh eight. 412, 560, 21 extra base hits, twenty six walks, which is key for him getting his eye at the plate back, and twenty five Ks, and he raised his season OPS from seven twenty four to eight oh three. That'll play. He's a real major league player, above average again. That'll play,
3: and with his uh, what he does defensively too, like that's that's thirty million dollar a year Bregman. That, that's thirty million dollar a year Bregman pre All Star
2: break, not thirty million dollar a year Bregman post All Star break, thirty million and you a, mentioned a year Bregman with the defense. You know that he's really in his groove. When that ball, there was a ball, I think it was Friday night, that went down the line Friday night, and and it just kind of, it took a funky hop, but he was so mad, and and you kind of looked at it and was like, oh, he makes those plays look routine, so you're very shocked when he doesn't make a play, and that's what I think people take for granted sometimes is the fact that as much as we give accolades to Peña as being an above-average defensive shortstop, Bregman, man, he's a stud at third base. He just, he, he looks like he's not athletic. He hides it well, but boy, he plays a mean third base. Yeah, I don't think he is that athletic, to be honest.
3: But Mechanical. But I think that he should be in the conversation for gold glove. I've, I've said for the last few weeks, if it weren't for Matt Chapman, he would be the gold glove. But Matt Chapman just landed on the injured list. So I wonder if Chapman misses an extended amount of time, if Bregman might can pass him in that gold glove conversation. It ain't Devers after what we saw Devers <laughs> in the Boston Devers series. Devers should be a first
2: baseman. You're Quite probably honestly. right. You're probably he, right. He
3: should be a first baseman. He's not. He's not a third baseman. I mean, um,
2: and, and and the two best, in my opinion, at third base are in the National League. When you talk about uh, Arenado and Machado, I Arenado's mean those those stupid. guys. Stupid. Machado can throw it from sitting with both cheeks in the dirt and and, and make throw a seed over to first base. He's got a cannon.
3: He's got a cannon Machado does uh, my good simply that you win a series and some people might not agree with this especially with the one the the way that Friday slipped away which I'm sure we'll talk about in a moment 713-780-3776 you're good you're bad you're ugly look I I'm consistent with this always I only care if you win series I don't care if you're playing the A's I don't care if you're playing Kansas City you win series in baseball, you're going to go a long way. If the Astros win every series that they have for the rest of the season, they're going to be holding another parade. They're going to be a three time World Series champion uh, since 2017. So even the way that you lost the game Friday, I like the response. I like the way the team rebounded. You win a series, especially on the road. And Detroit's not Kansas City, Detroit's not Oakland. They're a little better than them. For my good, simply. You win the series against the Detroit Tiger team, especially after losing
2: Game 1. Yeah, look, Game 1, and we'll get to it, but Game 1 was not the way you scripted it at all. And before we start you know, getting our daubers extremely down, like a lot of people are quick to do when you know immediately after a game like that happens, you actually should have been down 3-1 for a majority of the game if, if Tuck doesn't bring back a home run ball. I mean, it just was one of those nights where nothing was clicking, they weren't in their groove, they were coming off just getting their rear ends handed to them in the last game of a, of the homestand, uh, and it just wasn't their night. So there was there was a, a lot of you could see Daubers down in the dugout after the loss as well. But that makes those last two games that much more important to bounce back and then to put back put up all the crooked numbers and the way they went about their business means so much more coming off of those two deflating losses that a lot of teams, quite honestly, could have gotten sunk for this late in the season if they took losses like that, could have been very discouraging.
3: I was pleased with the offensive bounce back, another one of my goods. The Astros scored nine runs on Saturday and then 17 runs yesterday, which is absurd, and they had 25 hits, which matched the franchise record. But look, I mean, Bregman talked about it after the game Saturday, but you know he was probably talking about it Friday after they, the way that they lost, that we have to treat every game like it's a playoff game. Every game has some serious stakes with where you are with 30 to play and trailing the division by one. The bats came alive. And look, I, the, the offense hasn't clicked all year. Like they've had moments where they'll put together a nine-run game, a 17-run game like they did yesterday. They'll have moments when they hit three or four home runs, but then they'll also have a moment where they get you know one hit, where they get shut out, where they score one run. And I think that's where the, the Astros can make the biggest stride is offensive consistency. You hope with health – that that brings that offensive consistency. But this Astro team is capable, and they've showed you, and look, I know Detroit's not the best team in the world, but they showed you that they can still beat you offensively. They can hang a crooked number on the board. They can hang an eight spot, a nine spot. 17 runs is not going to happen very often. But this is a team that has an offense
2: that can carry you. You can get a bad pitching night, and the offense is good enough to overcome that. Well, and I think kind of what you're saying also leads itself to looking at this is the time of the year where you can't take a series for granted, and you certainly can't take one off or, or start taking a series in the shorts when you're supposed to win it. You didn't sweep it, but you won it, and you could be the Rangers. You could go into Minneapolis you know, thinking that this was a get-right get, get right series because the Twins, even if they're winning their, their division, that division is garbage, and you're not really intimidated by them. And Instead, you blew leads in, I think, two of the three, if not all three games and found a way to lose, And that's how discouraging it can get because now you're looking for momentum as well as trying to, to make sure that you don't slip up any further. And this is the team that's been in a complete downward slide for the last week and a half, two weeks. The Astros were able to bounce back, avoid kind of that pitfall, and then put some numbers up to make people take notice and go, hey, guess what? That's a pretty talented offensive lineup when they're healthy, and now they might be getting even healthier and that would kind of erase some of the doubts in certain areas of this baseball team.
3: Seven one three seven eight zero And We'll get to your goods, your bads, your uglies. Uh, Joe's thirty minutes suspension uh, for not it's being on now. the mic. It's over now for the way he started the show. So we'll get to some of his good as well. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Killer bees. ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five.
2: Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at Apollo Men's Health. Apollo Men's Health making a difference in people's lives on a daily basis. At this point in your life. You're just looking to try and get more energy from day to day. You're trying to find a way to get more tasks accomplished. You're not trying to win a gold medal or a a, a race against your your peers. You're trying to get things done and make things happen for your family at your work to make sure that you get everything done on the honeydew list. And make sure you have time to get to the gym and play with your kids. Sometimes you just feel exhausted. You don't know anywhere you can dig deep to get that energy. Now all you got to do is get right to Apollo Men's Health, and for both men and women, they have a ton of different ways they can get you more energy on a consistent basis. It's anything from hormone therapy on the high end to to where it takes a little bit more in terms of your effort and the things that go into it. Or as easy as getting a B12 shot every week like I get and feel more energy and feel the ability to get more things done. You want to lose weight, you can go to the gym and they can start with all the different ways they can chart your progress with a full body composition analysis to recovering quicker with HGH peptide therapy. And the bigger thing is if you don't have time to work out, they now have FDA FDA approved semaglutide. Semaglutide can have you losing up to six pounds every week and it can be a game changer too. Go to their website right now, apollomh.com. See all the services they offer, and if there's a few that interest you, sign up for your first appointment right there online. Go in there. They're going to ask you tough questions. They're going to ask you what's going on. If you're honest with them, tell them where you need some help. Tell them where you're trying to get results. They're going to get those results for you and put you on a program that works. Mention my name, Joel Blank, free body composition analysis on your first official visit Uh or you can get a free B12 shot. But the fact is these people care about you. So if you're honest with them, they're going to put you on the right path to getting those results. Tell them I said you by. It's the good people at Apollo Men's Health.
0: You're back where you belong in the Veritex Community Bank Studios with the killer bees who won't sting you unless provoked. Here's Joel and Jeremy.
3: Spencer knows about that provoked thing. I'm trying to eat 150 grams of protein. It's my new brand of beautification. Boy, it's hard to eat 150 grams of protein. Just say that. Uh, Good, bad, ugly. Joe George, your your 30-minute suspension is up after you aired at the beginning of the show. Appreciate it. You you got
1: it. Uh, What is your good? Hunter Brown. Yeah, He was awesome. I mean, Uh, it was only five innings. That's okay. That's okay. I mean, I'm good with Dusty when he took him out after 91 pitches. I didn't need to see him go out there for a sixth inning. Same. But five innings, nine strikeouts, only four hits. It's probably his best outing. It feels like in months. Yeah. Plus, we're
2: not looking at like leaps and bounds right now. We're looking at baby steps. This was the progression that you needed to see. You needed to see a positive. You needed to see something you can build on, and that's what you got out of Hunter Brown. I think that that's what I took away from it was, you know, he wasn't getting lit up with the first three innings of a start with multiple runs in each of the fir- first three innings, putting multiple guys on base. This was more of the Hunter Brown that we expect to see, and it, even if it was five innings, I'll take it at this point. I thought
3: it was the entire starting pitching, to be honest. Like, the entire series. I thought the entire series, the starting pitching was fantastic, including Hunter Brown. Frommer threw seven no-hit innings. He walked five in that game, but I also think that was part of the plan. I think it was part of the plan for Fromber to try to nibble a little bit more because he's been getting hit. Mm -hmm. And I think Molly went into that game like, let's let's nibble a little bit. If you have to give up a walk, that's better than giving up a double in the gap. And, And Fromber's never been like a super command guy, but I think that was part of the plan. Let's try to paint a little bit more than just trying to live in the middle of the zone like Fromber normally tries to do. So I, I was actually okay with the five walks. It helps whenever you have seven no eight innings because you only give it up five base runners. Uh, Hunter Brown was really good, and, and then Justin Verlander was really good. He didn't pitch you deep into the game, but I don't care. Like if you're through five innings and you have not given up a run, that's good enough for me. I don't need you to pitch into the seventh, eighth every single night, even if you're JV. I thought the start. I mean, how can you say? it? I mean, every starter did not give up a run. Fromber went well, seven especially... shutout. Hunter Brown went, or oh, he gave up two runs. Hunter Brown gave up two runs in five, and then Justin Verlander five shutout innings. The starting pitching was fantastic. Fantastic.
2: Well, especially what you can give accolades like "fantastic" a lot easier too when it's coming off what the starting pitching has been for the last you know several games. Where you're disillusioned by every starting pitcher that takes the mound, you don't have confidence in anybody. That before we used to say, "Oh, so and so's on the mound, Fromber's on the mound. Oh, that that that, that should be a win for us tonight. He's going to pitch us, you know, into into a good position." Justin, the same thing. I mean, when you start talking about Javier and the way he's been, you know, earlier in the in the year, but more so even last year, where Javier's on the hill, you feel great. Even Hunter Brown and, and, and JP France, and now all those guys had question marks to, attached to their name. So the fact that you could get three starts. That gave you the numbers you just gave and got you through five innings and put you in a position to win all three games. Who could ask for more at this point if you're the Astros because of all you've had to endure lately with starting pitching? Starting pitching was great.
3: If you tell me that the Astros have a stretch of three games where they go seven shutout, two runs over five, five shutout, that's a really good stretch of starts for the Houston Astros. And you're right, especially with the way that they've been pitching uh, as of late. Any more goods before we move on? I got a
2: good that's also, it's not a bad but it's actually, in my opinion, good that, that Jordan Alvarez right now still isn't completely back. He isn't the powerful, just demolition man that comes to the plate. And yet the team is still doing this offensive explosion back-to-back nights and putting together you know big hits and lots of runs. I think it's good that you've got guys that are already like really knocking the cover off of it and coming back around. And the fact that Jordan isn't there yet means there's another level they can still go up offensively when he gets in his groove. Regardless of what happens with sprinkles and icing and, and, and some of the other things that are gonna be at Dusty's disposal, this lineup could still get better when you're down, who's been good. Yeah. Can get better. Yeah, like
3: he's had four hits the last two games, but you're right. He's still off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like he, he he got a little unlucky Friday. Like that ball I thought was a home run. Got I out. thought I thought that ball was out. I heard some people say that they thought it dead went center. off the top of the wall. I thought it was over the wall. Yeah. yeah. I think it would have been a home run. Yeah,
2: dead center and they I forgot what I think they were looking it up then multiple parks that would have been gone. But The fact of the matter is, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Remember when Dusty said uh, uh, two weeks ago, he's a tick off. I think he is a tick off. And I think he still is. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's a half a tick now, but that's actually encouraging because for the rest of this lineup to do what they've been doing and he's still getting you results, the fact that he can bring that big bat that could take you to another level is encouraging.
3: I think he's really close. I really do. I think he's about to – I think the dam's about to break. I, I really do. I hope you're right. And I think he's going to have a stretch of 10
2: games where he hits five home Dan, runs. By dam, you don't mean a body part, right? You mean the fact that he's going to like really not, get the ball. I hope not,
3: but that's always in play for Jordan. Yeah, kind of. It is. It's reality someone, of the situation. I it's always in play. Where did see someone steal
2: our Jordan rules? I think Mark, oh, Berman, for real? Mark Berman was starting to say rules uh, – it was like rules for Jordan. I think it was Berman. And then someone else brought out our line about the bubble wrap. About the fact that we should... I saw the bubble wrap, yes, one. that we should wrap, and I was like, God, we've been saying that for about six months.
3: The uh, the Yordan rolls cracks me up, like that one's uh, that one's pretty funny. All right, uh, well, here's a texture. Eric the driver, his good was Bregman, which you mentioned. He mentioned Bregman and Pena, which brought yeah. which brought up uh, his bad was Ryan Stressley, his ugly was scoring too much and using up all their runs. The Astros do seem to have that curse a little bit sometimes, or they'll score a big number and then get shut out the very next day. Hopefully, that's not the case with Cristel on the mound tonight at Fenway. Uh, let's get to the any more good. Any more
2: goods? Any more Before goods. we get to that, more just goods. quick comment: You can't get mad at Presley for that. Mm. He had no two count on. Uh, he had two outs. He had no two count on Miggy. I think you Some, can get. I think you can get. I think you can be upset with him though. These things happen. I mean, That's it's not true. like he's been inconsistent, getting knocked all over the yard. That inning was... No, I think it was his first run he's given up in,
3: like, maybe July. I, I, think, that's prob- it I think that's right. That inning was stupid. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll give you that. That inning was stupid. But can you be a little upset that Ryan Stressley didn't finish the job? I, I think that's completely I blame her.
2: That's complete. Why do you blame <laughs> Mrs. Because Blank? I, I sometimes get superstitious to where, you know, she needed me to come in and help her with something in the other room. And I was like, just a second. And she was like, come on, I need, I need your help. She had to go back to work, she was doing the nights, And I said, just a second. If I leave the room... I just feel like something's going to happen and they're going to screw this thing up. She's like, come on, seriously, I'm on a time crunch. I'm like, all right. And I go in. Help her we get some stuff off the shelf. I come back in the list. I go, what the hell just
3: happened? Yeah,
2: that was ba- that was a weird inning because Presley started off dominant in that inning. Oh, my God. He struck out
3: Badu. He struck out Green and it was like dominant. Yep. Like It was like nasty. Like okay, 12
2: Sixers is- were falling off the yeah, table. This is and- going
3: to be quick work. And then he gets ahead of Cabrera 0-2. Cabrera fouls off a couple of pitches. Then it gets to a 1-2 count, and he gets like a little, you know, seeing guys, sit, like a little blooper. Like it was just a little kind of a soft yep. line drive yep. into center field. Okay, no, no big deal. Like It's not great because now it brings up the winning run, but, but no big deal. You just get the next guy, right? And then McKinstry had the little s- ground ball to the right side. He hit it pretty well, but just a ground ball to the right side. that could have easily went to a fielder. And then the one that really irritated me was the Javier Baez. He shattered his bat. He broke his bat, got it off the end, and just blooped it into center field. But then the Parker Meadows uh, Parker Meadows home run was like that's why you can be critical of Presley. And I saw Presley kind of tense up. I felt I, honestly, I did. Like he didn't look to me the same in that Parker Green at bat. Even I know your hindsight twenty twenty, but he just lo- looked like he lost confidence after giving up a few hits in a row.
2: You know what I felt? I felt like a lot of times when we talk about a closer when it's not a safe situation loses intensity, uh-huh. I felt when he lost the save there, I felt like the air went out of his sail a little bit, and I felt like he kind of had a little bit of – he had a different mentality than that kind of, you know, balls out, just go attack. And he kind of took the foot off the gas a little bit, and he got burned.
3: Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying demote Ryan Presley. I'm not saying that I don't trust Ryan <laughs> Presley. But you get down to a strike to win that first game, you have multiple chances to get that final out. Yeah, it's a frustrating one. It's no a frustrating
1: day. one. It's not like the the biggest thing in the world, but I, I also did very much enjoy like the final interactions of the Astros and Miguel Cabrera. That was cool. Like, you know, like the hat tip. Honestly, even seeing him go deep like that at the end of the game when it didn't matter.
3: I didn't love that he got a single on Friday.
1: No, I know, but I'm talking about Sunday's game. Yeah. Where, like it, just, it didn't matter because they were just smashing well, him. I, I don't know Phil Maton loved it. Yeah, well, Phil Maton doesn't Phil love Maton. Needs- he struck out three guys. Besides that,
3: you think he you think he served one up? Maybe. I
2: don't think he served one up. I don't up, think he I did it perfectly. Would I mean, you? I
3: would. I know it's happened in the past. It's definitely happened in the past where pitchers serve up pitches to hitters. It's like the it, Brett Favre sack of straight hands where Jeter? he just sets it all up yeah. and
2: then rolls over. Derek
3: Jeter? How about Cal Ripken in the All-Star game? Yep. Like get pool holes. Like it happens all the time. It happened. Don't fool yourself. It happens all the time. The time. I don't think Maiton was doing it there for Cabrera. No, I'll tell you like, what I cool, you it was cool, though, that yeah. you don't
2: see in any other season except for a farewell type of situation like this. The interview with both Altuve yeah, and cool. Cabrera is yeah. very cool.
1: Yeah, it's just like it's a, such a great player to say everything kind of around the last time we'll see him play the Astros was very enjoyable.
3: All right, let's get to some more good, bads, and uglies. That was enjoyable. Tip the cap to the Hall of Famer, Miguel Cabrera, but I hate that you got that hit on Friday. I have one ugly that was just embarrassing for a certain Astro. 713-780-ESPN. You're good. You're bad. You're ugly. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN (laughs)
0: 92.5. the best most informed sports talk noon to three it's the killer bees joe blank and jeremy brenham live from the veritex community bank studios
3: thanks Spincer. um 713 good bad ugly
1: 6941 good he gone so oh, yeah. home run we got a cut
2: oh which De- team
1: desmond king has been cut huh. by the houston texans per aaron wilson Do we believe
3: Aaron Wilson? Remember, D'Amico Ryan's didn't want the job.
1: Camp casualty. I mean, this one's usually he's pretty spot on with this stuff.
3: He's usually tight with agents.
1: Yeah, yeah, I trust trust
2: this, but he was wrong on D'Amico. I I think Desmond King's got some football left in him. I think that I, I don't think there's a spot for him anymore on this roster because you know he was your backup, if not. Sometimes I'm actually stunned by this. Part-time return guy. I thought I mean I thought for sure he's your slot corner. Yeah. Like
3: for guaranteed well, that slot. Means corner. That
2: means uh, that Griffin's going to make the team, right?
3: No, he's more of an
2: outside guy. Like this
3: is probably Tavier Thomas. This is probably testament to Tavier Thomas. Tavier Ta- Thomas beat Desmond King for the slot job, slot corner, which surprises me. I thought it'd be Desmond King. Uh, Desmond King was really good last year in that spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thomas was good too. I'm surprised that they didn't keep both on the roster. I'm I'm surprised that Desmond King didn't make the team. Now, not only does it, I mean, Thomas is going to be your nickel corner, but it also might open up the punt returning job.
2: Well, that's what I'm, yeah.
3: Which, if Steven Sims makes this team, I'm going to be unhappy. I don't like Steven Sims. I don't think he's very good. I don't think he's one of your top six receivers. Mm-hmm. So, if you're keeping him, it means you're keeping him for special teams only because he's not one of your top six receivers. And if you're keeping him for special teams only, it means he's returning kicks and Tank Dell's not. Well, I don't think there's a place on this team for Steven Sims.
2: Based on what Tank Dell showed you, as much as I have fear in getting that guy in situations where he can get it, he's so elusive and so quick. And he is such a weapon. Don't you just have to get him hurt, though? Yeah, like, you just got... I mean, you're right. That's what I was leading to. Yeah, I mean, Regardless of my fears of him being a little undersized, the dude's too electric not to have every opportunity to touch the football so that he can make plays for you. because he made another one in that game in New Orleans just on a return. Yeah, I think he's he's got to be a guy that factors in there. I hope Steven Sims does not
3: make this team. If Steven Sims makes this team, I, again, I'm going to be unhappy because he's not one of the best... I don't think he's one of the best seven receivers on this team. I don't think he's the best... Kick returner on this team, and I've seen him have butcher hands left and right. Like I do not want Steven Sims on this football team. But I am surprised Desmond King's not a Texan. I'll be completely honest; I did not see that cut coming. Let's see what it does in terms of the uh, the salary cap. Not that it really matters a ton, but it saves the Texans three million dollars. So they're getting off, they're getting out of uh, King three million. Yep. They're getting out of Kirksey five point two million. So they're saving right around eight and a quarter. Which I don't really know how you're going to spend it. Other than rolling over well, a fraction of it till next year. And I was going to
2: ask you, as the numbers guy, just I was curious about the financial aspect of it. But the other thing that I'm thinking is again, like you know, it, you just said, agents talk, guys start getting information where they, they, they start to know who might be being let loose, and they know that there's competition battles across the league. Maybe they got their eye on a couple of players that they're going to bring in off of someone else's cuts that they think is an upgrade.
3: I do think the Texans are going to be pretty active filling out their roster with players that are cut and released. And they, they also have the number 2 waiver claim. So, like, maybe there's a certain position that they're really targeting. Now, I thought, thinking about this last week, because I put together a 53-man roster. We're not going to do 53-man... Roster Radio, but one of the areas that I had was I thought the Texans could improve at tackle, and then they traded for Josh Jones. Yep. So it was like, that makes sense to me. Josh Jones can be a backup tackle. Maybe he's even behind George Fant, but he gives you tackle depth when Titus Tower might not be ready for week one. He can also play interior offensive line, and there's a lot of people that are upset that the Texans gave up a fifth-round draft pick for for Josh Jones. What do you need for a fifth round like draft pick? Like, what do you what like, are you looking for from a fifth rounder? Like, if a fifth rounder starts, how many games is he a successful fifth rounder? Uh,
2: let's take it a step. I think starts a single game.
3: He's. A I think successful you're probably right. Rounder. But I was going to
2: say, let's take it a step back from that. When you're in the draft and you're drafting guys in the fifth round, fifth round, what are you doing? You're drafting guys that you're hoping can make this roster, and in a year or two, can be backups, can be guys that can be serviceable on special teams. In the case of offensive linemen, you hope at some point in their career they can be useful on the offensive line. But if you've got a guy that started when he started nine games in Arizona yeah, a year ago, something like that? A year ago, yeah. He's been, yeah. He's been pretty regular since he was drafted yeah. out of U of H. Go cooks. So if you're, if you're saying, well, instead of drafting someone in the fifth round that you quote-unquote hope turns into something, but instead you get a guy, you turn that pick into a guy that started nine games in the NFL on the line already and has experience and he has size, and, and this could be a fresh start for him coming back to, to, to Houston, I'm all for that.
3: Yeah, yeah, I was all I like the Josh Jones trade. I thought people crying over trading a fifth rounder was was silly. Now, I have been somebody who's cried of the Texans trading late round draft picks, but only when they cut the guy the next week.
2: Yeah, when they don't get anything <laughs> in return for them that's that's decent. Only
3: when they trade a six rounder for Ryan Finley and then cut him before camp. Only that, whenever they trade for the Green, Green Bay, Bay Packer corner, corner yeah. and then he gets cut the next week. That I don't like giving away late round draft picks. But if you're trading for a fifth for a guy who's going to be on your roster the entire entire year and has a chance to start a couple of games based on injury, that's fine. That, that's what fifth-round picks are for. I got a feeling, Jeremy, they're going to be hunting for a guard. Yeah, we'll get to some Texas yeah, stuff later, but that was that was discouraging. Mm-hmm. 713-780-ESPN. Good, bad, and ugly from the Astros weekend. Uh, here's one from 6941. Bregman turning it up good. The bad not holding runners on, letting them advance through carelessness. That does happen a ton. The Astros starters are not good at holding runners. And then uh, the ugly Jose Altuve's fielding like Altuve's fielding's not great. I don't know if he was awful this week, though, against Detroit. The one that was, a, the one that was a, an issue was he had the diving chance. Remember, he dove yeah. and he got a glove on it, but it went off the glove into shallow right. Runner scored. but I didn't think he was atrocious, Fielding.
2: No, but over the last week, remember, there was the play at, sec- you a- a- at second out where he just flat-out dropped it. <laughs> then the first game of this series, I think it was, that there was another play at second base, and he just flat-out muffed it. And, it's, you know, and, and at least he's showing the emotion, finally, of he gets ticked at himself because he knew those were on him. But we know that he doesn't have a throwing arm anymore. We know that he's not even close. And he wasn't ever a, a great fielding second baseman. But he's not in the lineup every day because he's going to be, you know, one of your saviors defensively.
3: No, he, he's not in there for his defense. We all know that. All right, here's my uh, ugly blankers. Right. is this, this, this hard for you to, me say, to say, huh? Jake Myers struck out looking against a position player. Jake Myers is 0 for the weekend. Was he also 0 for the weekend? It gets even uglier. I did not – U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi. I didn't realize that. Jake Myers might have been the first that I've ever seen. I'm sure it's happened before in Major League Baseball history. I've watched lots of baseball. I have never seen a hitter strike out looking against a position player that was pitching. That was incredibly embarrassing for Jake Myers, and I will never let him live it down.
2: I have but it's rare, and it's always on like the the borderline Ephe pitches like a close one on the corner, yeah, that was like middle middle, but nonetheless, <laughs> you're never there's there's a set uh, there's a, a ratcheted up intensity as much as people don't want to believe this because the game's over because you're going to catch hell from your teammates. the only thing is Jake's so bad right now that I think his teammates are probably afraid to give him hell for it You're Probably right because you might really ser- seriously hurt his feelings more. If it was Jose Altuve that
3: did that, oh. they're going to crush yep. him. If it was Mauricio Dubon who did that, Jordan Alvarez is going to ridicule him to death. That was an embarrassing sight. Jake Myers struck out looking against Carson Kelly, a position player. I'm never going to forget that. That's always going to stain Jake Myers' career as I look at him. And I've, right. I've been I've been a Jake Myers... I'm not going to say I've been a Jake Myers guy. I've been more of a Jake Myers guy than I think most of the city. I me. hold Jake Myers in a little higher regard than most people. Because, I, I mean, I realize who he is. He's a defensive first center fielder that has little offensive game. But I think he's a starter for 10 Major League Baseball teams. Yeah. I think there's a spot for him in Major League Baseball as a fourth, fifth outfielder that can play defense and center field incredibly well. But striking out against a position player was an embarrassing moment and maybe the low light in what are a ton of low lights in Jake Myers' career. Yeah,
1: so, uh, except for... Um... Let's see this this tweet from Spacey Sports. Good morning. Yesterday, Jake Myers pinch hit and struck out against a White Sox position player. Looking, struck out looking. That was struck out looking from last year. Did he do it before? He did it versus the White Sox last year. So he's happened twice. Oh, this is no. his second time. But mm-hmm. it wasn't
3: looking. I don't think against the White Sox.
1: He swung so hard his helmet fell over his eye. Remember that, that all the time. I we do remember about that. So this is at someone least said his Renato. Time. Someone
3: said Acuna did it. I didn't realize Acuna did it. But striking out looking against a position player is flat-out embarrassing. And Acuna might have just been
2: doing it to, like, finish the game. Jake Myers was not. Jake Myers trying to get a hit. Jake Myers 0 for the weekend. in a And it could be, well, you were facing really good pitching and you guys were shut down offensively. Not so much because the other kicker to all this is he didn't play Friday night when they couldn't muster any offense at all. But he plays Saturday and Sunday, and he's one of the few 0 not just for a game, for the weekend, and Maldi was hitting. <laughs> Maldi's been not hot since good
3: the, uh, since the team meeting.
2: Maldi's good against lefties,
3: though. We that is know the that. definition of bad Jake Meyer. That was ugly. That was ugly. That's and the definition. Ugly. The epitome of ugly.
2: You have any uglies? Ugly for me, first and foremost, everything Friday night for the most part, other than starting pitching. <laughs> the fact that you were borderline no hit. You could not muster any runs. You, you know, late in the eighth inning, you had a chance to get another one across the board. I thought it was it Las Diaz that that really made a horrible call on a ball that he said was a foul ball that wasn't. Oh, I hated
3: that. It, and it should be reviewable. Apparently it is. Apparently it's reviewable, but Dusty used up the time like allowed to review the play arguing with the umpire. Oh my god. That's the way that I understood it based on Twitter cuz I was like that play is not reviewable and then I had some people like post the rule in my comments cuz they kept so saying on the it is telecast
2: that it wasn't reviewable.
3: See, I heard that too. Yeah. But then like some people posted the rules in my comments saying that it was reviewable and that Dusty didn't do it in time. So honestly, I have no idea. It's like I, there's been conflicting reports. The the broadcaster's saying one thing, commenters posting the rules saying another thing. I don't know. I don't know. It should be reviewable if it's not, and it's unfair that Dusty wasn't allowed to review a bit review it if it is reviewable because he's spending the time arguing with the umpire. So either way, that was a
2: that was atrocious. Everything Friday night was ugly, and it's the tangible things that we're talking about within the game itself, and then the fact that everybody else that you needed to lose lost, and you had a game that you had one strike away from being a huge win, and then you got kicked in the jimmy, and it all fell apart, and you looked at it going... But at least everybody lost, to it, as opposed to saying, man, we gained ground on everybody. Wild card teams, divisional teams, first place team. You were gaining ground. And instead, that was a tough one to take. That was ugly. Poncho says Jake Myers
3: would strike out against Machete. Pitching, Machete's throwing 48-mile-per-hour sweepers. Poncho says higher S2. Jake Myers or C.J. Stroud? C.J. Stroud has a higher S2 than Jake Myers. Fishing with Dana says Jake the dumb blonde Myers. Jake is a dumb blonde, and Chaz McCormick is like the dumb bro. Because he was trying to fight people in the stands on Friday. Uh, Was he? Yeah. You didn't see that? I did not. After the game, like right when they were panning, it was final out. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, where like Callis sends it to the, uh, like coming up next, the the guys in In the the studio. studio. And like while they were doing that, they showed a dugout shot. And Chaz McCormick is like yelling in the stands, like,
2: "Hey, bro, I'm gonna." Oh, I kind of saw bro. that. Yeah, and some of the guys in the dugout were kind of. Yeah, just... Jolks and like yeah. Singleton came over. We're like, looking. What's yeah. going
3: on? What's going on with this dumb bro uh, in in Chaz McCormick? But Chaz can hit the ball, so he gets away with it. We, we a allow guy, man. He <laughs> wants to. He <laughs> wants to mix it up. Ch- Chaz is a dumb bro. He'll slap the glo- you know the, bo- the glove away from a first baseman yeah, like Alex that Rodriguez. Seem like a year ago, it does. But he's our dumb bro, yep. and we like our dumb bro because he's he's hitting really well. He's a dumb bro that Gets results if, and Hits the baseball. If you're a dumb bro and you're hitting well you can be our dumb bro. If you're like Jake Myers and you're going over and striking out looking against position players and you're a dumb blonde, you're not our dumb blonde,
2: uh, Jake Myers. Jake Myers right now looks like someone took his whoopee when he's in the in the <laughs> dugout. Doesn't he, just, he look so aloof every time yeah, you see him? Every, offense, <laughs> every defense, and special teams. Every time you see him, you want to talk about s 2
3: 7 one for me. I'm through with him. Uh, he can play a little defense in the eighth inning, I guess. Uh, a lot of people are saying he's going to be sent down with Brantley. I don't agree with that. Jolks. I think it's either Jolks or Singleton, and 90% sure it's going to be Jolks. Because
2: they don't want to let Singleton Agreed. just DFA, so they're going to send Jolks back G- completely agree.
3: Seven One Three Seven Eight Zero one 3 ESPN. You can send in your good bads and your uglies, but we're going to move on. Uh, Texans Four with the Killer Bees. Countdown to kickoff. There's 10 shows left before the Houston Texans play the Baltimore Ravens in week one. Preseason thing. Goodness is over. What did we learn from the final preseason game and overall in the preseason from the Texans? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5.